All right, and welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick. And Janelle. And we want to thank you for tuning in for another podcast of Beyond the Vow. Uh, we hope you're all having a wonderful time and you survived the most recent uh, snowpocalypse or snowmageddon or whatever uh, everybody wants to title it. Um, I didn't really have to worry about it as much this time around because I worked remote. It wasn't the snowpocalypse. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, I guess. Um, it's not too bad. Just go put it out there. Months ago, when I my job shifted me towards the, I had the option to start working remote, um, and by doing that, I, I thought, okay, I'm just going to work remote, and I'll, I'll I'll only work remote on Friday. Your plan was Friday. That was yeah. the only day you were going to. And work then it's like, out. well, you know what? It's kind of nice to not have to go in on Mondays too. So now, <laughs> I went in the other day for a uh, shutdown at the hospital because we had some maintenance to do. Um, and, um, before that, I probably hadn't been in there in like three months. <laughs> I went in for my flu shot. Um, but that was for the second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the whole working from remote, the whole working remote thing, I was talking to my buddy up there as well. And we were laughing about it. He's like, man, he's like, you, you get spoiled. He said, I just roll out of my bed and I'm 15 feet away from my office. So if you're late to work. You cannot blame it on anything. But no, leave you in the can't. Hallway. Yeah, you can't. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we survived all that. And um, it's starting to kind of melt out there. Did have to get a little tiny heater for the garage because it got down at about six degrees or something. I was afraid that the water tank out there uh, would have some issues. Um, Rural King had these little metal uh, heaters. Milk house heaters. Yeah, and they had them for sale for $20. Little metal housing heater, really simple. Uh, and I put it like on its lowest heat setting and put the fan like speed or whatever it was um, it's like a 1300 watt, 1500 watt, it said. And I think some people were saying, at least one review, I said it doesn't really truly run at 15, uh, more like 13. So the lower setting might even be less than 13. And I just put it about halfway, three quarters, and it kept the garage at about 50, 50, um, 52. Something oh, I like that. it off today. Good. I'm glad you did because like we really have no, no use for it now. Um, yeah, we made it through that. And, um, I went and got a powerful iced tea. You did. We decided the other day just to get out. And you know, this was a term I always heard my mom mom, uh, growing up. It's like, come on, it's time for you to get out of bed. Let's go outside. We're going to go someplace, blow the stink off you. Mm -hmm. That was always the term you heard. And uh, so yesterday evening, uh, we're like, okay, you know, let's just, uh, we're going to go someplace. You know, date night, Kroger. (laughs) That's your your date (laughs) night. And I had to ship some things that were returns for uh, Amazon. Um, So I need to do that again. Yeah. And uh, so we we went on up to... uh, Kroger and uh, I cannot drink the stuff you drink. I just cannot. It's a it's a Trenta black iced tea, mm-hmm. no water, no sweetener. Mm-hmm. So it's literally liquid dirt. And then you asked them for a shot of espresso, mm-hmm. and I took one sip of that, and I, as you said, you could see sounds. It was very strong. I think there was more than one shot of Ooh. espresso. I think half of it was espresso. I think they had extra espresso and they loaded it down. I've actually had to dilute it with my tea here at home mm-hmm. to be able to stand it. Like it was some powerful That's stuff. That's some powerful stuff. That's some powerful stuff. I call um, it dirty tea. Dirty tea. There you go. But uh, um, I still do mostly my cold brew stuff. And uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to, uh, I don't know what else uh, really. He says I'm drinking dirt. She drinks dirt. That's pretty much pretty much it. Drinking dirt. Uh, so this time around, um, this is going to be more of a lighthearted episode because it's been it's been some some some, some serious months. topics and stuff that we've been into, and uh, so there's some new people that are starting to uh, find our podcast. So for those of you that are new, welcome aboard. For reasons we shall not mention. Yeah, there, there's there's <laughs> some people that are that are coming to, that are discovering us for the first time, and uh, they're starting to. Uh, um, join. And, um, um, if you are aware of the Facebook page, we do have a Facebook page and we're starting to be a little more active out there. Um, the Facebook page is just be, look for beyond the vow and you'll see the logo on Facebook, same logo as what we have for Spotify. And, um, yeah, we'd love to have you as part of our little community there. So, um, but we were just kind of the other day we were, we were laughing on our way home because we were talking about memories we had as kids growing up in church. Which also, I'm going to say, form you, how you run your household as a married adult. Yeah, because, well, because you see how your parents handle adversity. And let me tell you something. <laughs> as a pastor's kid, you see adversity. Yes. You, you see comical stuff. You see some pretty serious stuff. 
Uh, and you know, as much as parents would like to, and those of you that have been pastors, kids out there, you'll probably agree with this. I would think the majority of you would that you, um, your parents might think that what they're having to do for the church and the discussions they're having are private. Me and my not. brother listened at the vent so we could hear everything. Uh, <laughs> we, we would do the same thing. We had a, there was a, a went a little window, if you want to call it that, that, um, uh, so where my room was at in the old house where we used to live, uh, when we were growing up, there was like an open window that kind of went into the den and the den was on the backside of mom and dad's bedroom. And there was a vent up in the corner of the wall that separated their bedroom for the, from the uh, den. So the den was that common denominator between our room and her and their room. And so we would get up there in our window, the little window we had, and it was a bookcase. Our uncle came down one time and put shelves in it and made it a bookcase. And we'd listen, and we'd hear all the, mm-hmm. what was going on or things that were concerning. Because as kids, we wanted to know what was going on, too. Mm-hmm. And so we'd listen on that stuff, and they wonder how we know things. We'd also pick up things. Kids are not mm-hmm. dumb. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you're listening at keyholes and vents and all sorts of stuff, um, kids are not dumb. No. You pick up things just from going to and fro in the church and hearing whispers in the corners of the church. And yeah. And the kids share. They do. They do. My mommy said. It was, uh, it was mainly, I mean, there were three of us and uh, me, my brother and my sister. And so we were always uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And one time dad caught on that we were eavesdropping through there. So he fed us a bunch of fake information. (laughs) I I I think I remember that happening and uh, we didn't hear anything. Like he just, he like, just give us a bunch of stuff to chew on that didn't even, it wasn't even relevant. But, um, so in this podcast, we were, this is all prompted from a conversation. We've had this before, but just the other day we were driving home and we're like, you know what? Why don't we talk about some of these funny things? And there's some serious things mixed in there. But They're serious, but then they turned humorous and funny. Yeah, but there, there's, for the most part, there's, as a kid growing up in a church, you really see a lot. <laughs> you see a lot. It's different than a normal kid's upbringing. Like, his, you're, I don't care what people say. When okay, your dad's, your dad's being voted in as pastor. The whole family's being voted in. And, and and you end up with responsibilities. Um, I taught Sunday school at nine and was junior church leader at thirteen. I didn't do anything that early. So by the time I turned an adult, I was burnt out. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I could see how that would go. And and the reason being is it's because you you get short staffed and and you don't have anybody. And so why yeah. not just have the pastor's kid do it? You know, and yeah. and you grow it. You just grow into it. So this was my mom's routine on Sunday morning. She would get up, get herself ready, get us ready, mm-hmm. like when we were younger, or you know the prompting that you have to do. Yeah. On Sunday morning, um, very rarely did we <coughs> eat breakfast. Sorry. On um, Sunday morning, she would go, she would leave and go pick up the few people. She would start dinner, go pick up um, the few people that she would pick up in the car. Dad would yeah. go and get the van route. Then she would come in and she would play. She would play for preliminaries, go back and teach a Sunday school class. Then she would come back out. She would play prelude. She would leave the piano bench. She would go back to junior church. She would do junior church. Then she would come back out to um, play for, you know, whatever as people exited or to um, join. So her routine on Sunday morning was exhausting. So instead of her running to and fro, um, it was just I did junior church. Like it just became a thing. So, um, that's when pastor miles became very much a punishment. If you didn't sit down because I was 13, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of control that I had. If you didn't sit still, you went and sat in platform with pastor miles, with pastor miles. Now before junior church, that was so fun. Mm-hmm. If you got sent out there after it was not fun. We, so we, we didn't really, dad, dad filled in a lot. Um, he filled in at a lot of churches. It's almost like it felt like, and my mom would say the same thing. Um, he was almost like a fill in pastor, a supply pastor if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like he was a district superintendent for the denomination at one point, um, or moderator, whatever you call it. Um, but we really weren't like actually pastoring, pastoring. Probably the first church we ever really sat there and pastored um, was the one where mom and near where mom and dad live now. Mm-hmm. 
and it's no longer around at church is gone. Um, but that was the first time that we'd ever really like kind of been in charge, but that was a, that was an interesting situation. It was more of a family run situation. And you really, even though you're a pastor, you didn't have, you, don't have you didn't really have say in stuff. Um, that's a whole other topic. Is you could, I could get into a whole thing about family-run churches and the absolute destruction that those can cause. Um, anyway, um, probably the first time we ever really got into pastoring, like in being able to, to kind of do as the Lord willed and working with people. And honestly, we learned a lot from the bad experiences we had growing up, and not to repeat those uh, from what people did to us at the most re- the most recent church that we pastored in Huntington. And um, that was a that was a good experience. Um, there was a lot of responsibility because, as a pastor's family, and as you know, your crowd dwindles, uh, people mm-hmm. die and stuff like that. You, you end up losing staff, and and so you plug one person in, and the next thing you know, all us kids had a job, mm-hmm. and mom did too, and so did dad. And uh, it, it's just something I think that kind of happens uh, depending on on where you go. We just probably didn't see it as early as you all did. So, um, because dad, that was his, like he was voted on. He went to Anderson in 84, I Uh want to say 85, some 87. I was born in 83. So it couldn't be like 87, 88 is when he went to Anderson and they were there until I graduated from high school. Okay. So they were there a good 20 some years. So that was, um, so you know, once you're a preacher, always a preacher, dad still gets the urge and the, the itch to preach. Um, and at one point he was thinking about taking another church, but his rule was, I'm not a two for one deal anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I had already moved out. Jaron had already moved out. So, um, we're not a two for one, which I think I told you the same thing. Right. When there was a discussion about you taking a church, I'm not a two for one deal. Right. Um, you, because in a situation like that, and it's, it, it's something you learn from experience, um, you, you, you have to set boundaries, even when it comes to serving in a church, because if you don't, um, you will, being taken advantage of is, is probably too strong of a statement. Out of desperation, they'll use you. And, and sometimes and it's not to. just desperation. Sometimes it's people that just will not, I'll, I'll, they refuse yeah. to help I'll out. That. I'll agree with that. I, but, I, but I also think that on the flip side, there are some that they just have no choice. They have no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so you, you come in and a package deal looks so good. Oh, the wife plays piano, the, he preaches, the mm-hmm. kids do this and that. Oh, wow, we can plug so many holes mm-hmm. if we bring them in. And um, I've seen that, you know, and been a part of that. Um. But oh, and Dad also taught the teen Sunday school class, like wow. and preached. Like that was so many, so many hats went on in that. Probably the busiest I ever was when it came to serving in a church was when Dad had a stroke, and I was I had to get up and drive the church van route. I had to teach Sunday school. I had to preach Sunday morning, um, and then I had to drive the route again. I had to. I was working at the hospital, so that evening I had to go go to work, um, and they would have a fill in it. And then Wednesday I would drive the van route, and then I would and then I would go ahead and preach Wednesday. And so I'm thankful that I, I'm, honestly, it sounds awful, but I'm thankful that I had the uh, I had work mm-hmm. because it gave you a moment to kind of catch your breath. And um, I was able to on a, and on those evenings where I was working, it was a third it was not one third shift, it was a second shift, and there wasn't anything going on. And like you were just waiting basically my job was waiting for something to break and then fix it. So in the time in between those times where something would break, I would already be working on a sermon outline for the next Sunday and, and getting everything together. Um, but anyway, so we're we're kind of getting into some more Serious stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's get back. Um, to but let's 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 start this off. Um, why don't we? And I know this is kind of out of order a little bit, but why don't we kind of go down the route of let's start with IHC, and and mm-hmm. the reason being is because but we're, let's maybe start from our earliest memories. So IHC is something we both can share. We both probably cross paths with each other. Uh, we both probably sat there in the kids' services with the Victory Trio uh, together. And for those of you that don't know what it's called, what IHC is, it's called uh, Interchurch Holiness Convention, and it's basically 
a gathering once a year for about three days of a lot of different folks who come from different parts uh, and different denominations of the conservative holiness movement. So these denominations would most would most usually consist of your Wesleyan holiness, your Midwest pilgrim, ICHA, uh, your um, New York pilgrim, Bible missionary, Allegheny Wesleyan, Bible Methodist, Bible Methodist of Tennessee, um, and I I think that ICHA I, I mentioned them. Oh. Um, that's okay. The, um, the Bible missionary would not be part of that. And they would have viewed the IHC as being basically backslid is probably what they would, they, they, Oy. they wouldn't have anything to do with it, but those groups right there. And there's others that are independent and, and some others that I, that I've, I forget, uh, because I've, I'd recently done some research on a lot of those denominations, and some of those denominations don't exist anymore. Um, some of the ones I haven't mentioned, they're gone, and they've mm-hmm. you know, dissipated and emerged in other ones and whatever else. But um, just for, for, so people know what we're talking about, it was basically a get-together of those people um, at this central event for about three days in Dayton, Ohio. Now, it used to be in Huntington, West Virginia, way back in the day. Like, we're talking way back in its earliest days. Uh, but Huntington didn't have as much to offer, didn't really have the hotels to support it. Um, and it moved from Huntington. Actually, Jackson Avenue was the host church. My mom remembers that. Yes. And Brother Wolf, who was the pastor, I want to say he was P.D. Wolf. I don't know if it's P.D. Wolf or what his name was. Um, it was a wolf who was the pastor of Jackson Avenue. And uh, the choirs from um, the various colleges would practice in our choir loft at the church. Um, and um, they would uh, stay out in a campground out Mad Anthony Wayne in Wayne, West Virginia. And then they would just commute in from that State Park. Did you say Mad Anthony Wayne? It was Mad Anthony Wayne. That's what it was called. Was Anthony Wayne mad? Uh, He may have been. They didn't say Glad Anthony Wayne. (laughs) But they would come into uh, the denomination. They would come in. And people talk about this one service that happened where this one girl in the mixed choir was singing, and she was like a soprano or something, and she was hitting this one note. And it was this one song service where people started shouting, and they took off out into the streets. Um, to and they started pulling people and witnessing to people on the street corners and stuff, and it got so wild that the um, Huntington police were called because they thought a riot was taking place, and they had to come in. And Dad has that recording uh, of what would happen, but that occurred in Huntington. Um, anyway, they moved to Dayton because Dayton was larger, and then honestly, um, Dayton was a cesspit. I mean, it was just <laughs> pathetic. It was terrible. It, it was really a grungy was. place to have, a, a, but it was there for years because it, the the convention center yeah. was actually really nice inside. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. But like I remember as a kid having to walk to uh, the Arby's, and everybody about mm-hmm. everybody went to that Arby's. But you had to walk by like triple X rated advertisements and stuff. <laughs> it was stupid. You know, <laughs> we didn't go to Arby's much. We had the favorite picnics mm-hmm. in the car. We, I think we packed some things at one point. We didn't eat in the convention because it was just too pricey. That was so expensive. You fancy Christians who ate there, you had the money to do it. You know, <laughs> all us common folk, we, uh, we, we brought our food or whatever. Um, but I had good memories of the IHC because the IHC as a kid, one of the, the highlights was getting on the escalators with, mm-hmm. your, with your compadres and riding up the escalators and checking out the other gender. Absolutely. That's what happened. Everybody went, and you, you, if all the guys were checking out the girls, and they're hanging out over the edges of the of the upper mm-hmm. levels and looking down. Oh, hey, who's that? Hey, you know that person? Oh, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. whatever. Because you're looking for your spouse. Yeah, that's what happened. And uh, everybody, uh, some people call it the the holiness fashion show, and it was close to that. I, I remember I agree. getting super excited about the clothes I was going to wear. I never changed in the middle. Um, Evidently, people did. Yeah, especially I think those that stayed. In the hotel, the hotel. connect, like mm-hmm. the, was that the those Radisson those are or? the high rollers. Yeah, they get the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, we stayed in nights in, and my brother and I would argue about who was going to sleep next to the window that was painted. Oh my! In what? the nights in. Mm. <laughs> well, and then I think one year it was the red roof in. You know, I, I made friends there, um, and you'd always make convention friends. And you don't remember them now. You don't know who they are. I never but, did. But you, you had friends who were there, and then that was the end of it. And there was a girl that I hung out with at one point, um, one year, and uh, this is when I was younger. I was probably preteen. It was just a couple years ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we uh, we were hanging out and, and walking around together and all kinds of stuff like that, and she took me up to this top level, and um, 
we ended up walking in and there's this dark room and I was like, what is going on here? It was a dark room that was overlooking the convention floor and the, ser- like, oh, the service. Cool. I was like, wow, what is this? And I'm walking in and I know all of a sudden it dawns on me. There's nothing but women in here. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And all of a sudden these people, I realized they're all breastfeeding. And, <laughs> and this girl looks at me and all of a sudden she out of her heart, she says, oh no, you can't come in here. And I'm just looking at her like, I was just following you in here. And I was like, oh, what have I done? How old were you? I was preteen, I think. Yeah, I was preteen. <laughs> I walked right in there and I was just like, oh, cool. It's dark in here. <laughs> oh, people just hanging out watching. Oh, there's a special reason why people are in here and the lights are out. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was rough. Um, but I remember uh, there was a book, uh, people, somebody had a book sale or a book stall, book whatever set up there at the base of the book uh, booth. A book booth. There you go. Set up at the base of the escalator. And um, that was, dad would stop there. He'd also stop at another area that sold books. Um, and he'd be there forever. Um, I think your mom actually talked about she would be over there as well in that little area. And for all we know, I remember dad st- striking up conversations with people over there. And for all we know, we probably crossed paths and they mm-hmm. talked and who knows what else. Um, you know, and little did we realize that eons later we'd get married. Um, but that was... Uh, I remember looking forward to IHC so much because it was our spring break too. Because okay. we went to a Christian day school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. our spring break yeah. was always over IHC. Well, GBS, I think, didn't they let out during yeah, those you could couple go. days? Mm-hmm. You, you could go if you wanted. Mm-hmm, but yep. there were no classes. Mm-hmm. I don't think it wasn't spring break, but it was. And they just let you off because of the IHC. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I drove uh, me. And the girl I was dating at the time, and then another girl from GBS, and um, I drove all three of us um, over there. Uh, I took the opportunity to pick up more hours. You did? With what I was working, like just mm, because mm-hmm. I was a um, nanny to the cutest little girl. She's 18 now, I think, 21, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I was her nanny, and I would pick up, I would let them know. So she was the granddaughter of um, CEO of Procter & Gamble. So I got to spend a week in his house. Oh, wow. High rolling. It was, it was quite something. Um, I, after uh, GBS, after I went to GBS, I didn't really go back to any more um, IHCs or anything. Um, I don't even think, I think the last one I went to um, it was been 05 for me. before I even went to GBS, I think. Mm. 2005 was the last time I went, uh, spring of 05. Um, they, remember me telling the story about Kansas City? Mm-hmm. And all that, that was, I think, one of the last times they were there. And there was a girl that went to Kansas City who I knew. Okay. And I saw her there and talked to her. Um, but yeah. And her printing was my favorite. Yeah. Thing. So we, everybody go around them. As a kid, you'd just take all the pins and pads and stuff like that. And, and then you'd share your loot and figure out what your loot was going to be. Mm-hmm. And trying to think if there was a. I do remember the services, though. Like, the, there were some <laughs> good services. And it was always really fun and entertaining to see uh, all the people running around the aisles <laughs> and stuff like because that. Because as a kid, that's funny. It, it, like, yeah, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Like, people just running and taking off. And I remember the, the, the chair backs or those chairs that you'd sit in in the bleachers. Because uh, we never really sat down on the floor. We always sat in the bleachers because generally there wasn't any seats available on the floor. My parents sat on the floor. I sat in the bleachers on the right, on the left side, all the way at the top. We generally sat uh, three quarters of the way up the bleachers in the center, looking at the po- at the platform. In the back is where we were. But w- what would happen is you'd be sitting in the back and you could look down below at everybody walking by and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, as everybody's just you know, it was it was interesting. To where see I people... sat was where the booths were. So you oh, so you're over there. over there. Oh, I see where you're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I realized that I was getting really bad headaches and realized mm-hmm. that I was really close to those really powerful lights. Oh, so yeah. I would move like in between one and down several rows. Yeah. But it was almost never full over there. So that's where I spent most of my time in church. I remember uh, it was always it was always really fun to see um, all the different choirs that would come mm-hmm. up and sing, and you'd see which choirs were really really big, and like you'd see them, like just big streams of people mm-hmm. just pouring in there, and they'd all go marching up there and singing and stuff, and and uh, you know I, I have a lot of really good um, a lot of really good memories from going there and stuff like that, and Dad knew a lot of people. Um, and I think that's what he kind of enjoyed. There was just a lot of folks that he knew and, and, um, and books of course were his thing and books, you'll tend to, uh, drive a lot of holiness folk together. Uh, a lot of ministers, you know, they have that in common. Um, but, um, yeah, there was some, so there were some really, really good memories. Um, it just, it was a bad part of town. 
Yeah, and, it wasn't it, great. It, was, it wasn't good. And honestly, I think when COVID happened, that was what caused them to move it because um, they wanted to have the city or the convention center wanted to have really strict regulations. And so they moved it to Gatlinburg. And even though I haven't been there, I've seen the live streams and I've, I've heard good reports that it's like, and evidently it's more well attended than it ever used to be. Well, there's so much more to like, it's more centrally it's located. More cent- and there's much more to do. Yeah, like when you go to Dayton, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, like, it's just, there's nothing to do. Like, nobody really wants to go walk around in the, outside in the street because it's, it's kind of a bad area. Right. Um, and from my understanding, is it's just gotten worse um, compared to, you know, what it used to be. That actually, that hotel and everything went out um, in the convention center. Actually, I think it got purchased by somebody else. Um, so I think it was probably a good business move on their part to move the convention to... Um, uh, Gatlinburg, but anyway, so kind of, we both share a little bit of the common background of that. So as pe- preachers, kids growing up in a holiness movement, you went to IHC, mm-hmm. you know, it was you, just the thing you did. Um, now we're going to share uh, some of these are funny. Some of them are, are not so funny. They're serious, but it's all part of growing up as, yeah. as a pastor's kid. And, and there's a couple of these that are actually when I'm an adult, but just just to share, <laughs> just because they're, they're just because they're wild. But anyway, um, the first one you have is is involving uh, your brother. Okay, so my dad took the Anderson pastorate when my brother and I were little. Uh-huh. So um, he had just been potty trained. I'm gonna get killed for this. One. Not your dad. No, not my dad. <laughs> he had just been potty trained <laughs> late in life. Uh-huh. Um, Jaren, my brother had just been potty trained mm-hmm. and he must have been, it was a Sunday morning. He must have been yelling for help. Mm-hmm. He took him, his little self off to the bathroom cause he had to go mm-hmm. and down the center aisle came this little boy. Is this where your dad's preaching? I don't know if he was already pre. No, he wouldn't have been preaching because my mom was still on the piano bench. Oh, so it would have so been, it, like it, it would have been oh. like. Singing, yeah, and that's probably why no one heard him hollering for help. And there he stood with his little pants around his ankles, no, with his hands out, like you know, he's reached the he's end. Like, would somebody please help me? And one of the prisoners grabbed him and helped him with oh, his pants no. and got them up. <laughs> you know, I think if I if that was my kid, I'd just sit there and just I I no longer know you. I don't know. He was two. He needed help. He was little. little. Unlike um, the time when, oh, this wasn't on your list, but unless, unlike the time I was sitting Indian style in the pew and we didn't have padded pews, they were, mm-hmm. and my friend at the time mm-hmm. pulled my left arm across my body. So it was not the arm that was closest to her, the other one. And I spun around and I ended up with my feet over the back of the seat and my head on the floor. Oh, I got the, the look. look. The look. <laughs> it really wasn't me. It on purpose. Like it truly wasn't on purpose. But he thought I was having shenanigans in the pew. One of the most embarrassing things that would ever happen is you would get permission to sit in another kid's pew, and you'd ultimately get too loud with your Hot Wheels. <laughs> and the next thing I know, here would come Dad, and he'd walk up to that aisle. And he'd give you the finger and come here and that finger move. And you had to go sit back there with them and you're embarrassed. Sure yeah. Thing. yeah. You learn not to, I remember the last time that ever happened when I was a kid, I was playing with somebody. Was, I think it was, a, um, my buddy's fire truck and we were playing with that there in the pew and I got too loud. And the next thing I know, I see dad standing there at the end of the aisle and he's like beckoning to me, come on you're not there and I was like <laughs> oh man and it's embarrassing like you're mm-hmm. like I'm not doing that again because the whole church <laughs> sees you in yes. your shame and you know you're in trouble yes um, you know I was kind of a little bit of a prankster when I was growing up this was at the Wesleyan church um, there was this guy um, who he was he was an eccentric dude I'll say that. He was pretty eccentric. Um, how eccentric? Um, one time, some of the girls and their mother were driving down the street, and he lived near the church, and there he was 
um, running down the street in his underwear. Oh no! Yeah, he, he was he was kind of he was he's, he had some issues there. A little eccentric. <laughs> yeah, and uh, anyway, um, one day I was at church and I had just discovered Invisible Ink, <laughs> and I thought this is amazing. And so we were, the service was over, and um, I go outside and I see him coming out there, and I thought he's going to be the perfect target, and he had a light colored shirt on, and uh, I'll never forget. I uh, picked up, I said, hey, so-and-so, how's it going? And he kind of said something. I took that bottle of Invisible Ink, and I probably emptied the majority of its contents in about a half a second into his shirt. And he goes, hey, 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 hey. And the next thing I know, there's a vice grip around my my, my <laughs> wrist. And I thought, I'm going to die. And this other woman intervened. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so it, it's invisible ink. It's invisible ink. And, and, and <laughs> as he watched, of course, it started to dissipate. But I learned that sometimes your jokes can have some really bad consequences. And if that woman had saved me, if that woman had not been there to save me, I know that guy had a little bit of an inebriated kind of judgment. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance he... I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd have thumped me one (laughs) or something like that. Um, But yeah, that was, uh, it was that same church. This is a more serious note. Um, It was that same church. We were having a revival and I think brother Tillis was the pastor at the time. And um, it, it, this woman, I don't think we had known her and never really seen her, but she came in one day uh, while we were having revival and she just sat there. And when um, the service, um, kicked off or, you know, she just seemed normal and she made it all the way to when the evangelist got up to preach. And, um, when the evangelist started to preach, she went to the altar and of course everybody's like, Oh, well she wants to be prayed with. So let's go pray with her. So all the men of course gather around and they start praying for her. Something strange started to happen. The louder that they prayed, the louder she got until she was drowning them out. And then it turned in, and I told you this earlier before we did the podcast, I, I remember it in my head, I can hear it, but I can never possibly replicate the sound. But she, it was a scream unlike anything you've ever heard. And she would do it over and over and over, and then she'd start to spit up and like vomit on the altar. And that was when they were starting to go, okay, we've got something, um, there's something extra here. Um, with regards to like they were believing that there was some kind of a demonic force involved with that. And not Parkinson's. No, 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 no. Um, she came back the second night, and it was like the same story. But this time, they when she started to go up there, they evacuated all the kids out. And I remember us and the mothers standing there on the street corner talking as you could hear her through the windows of the church out into the street. And finally, they got together. They said, look, like nothing they would do would work. And so finally, the third night, they said, we're going to do nothing. And so she came up to the, she came up to the altar again, and she knelt down as they started to preach, and no one went up. And she got up, and she went back to her pew, and she never did any of that ever again. She actually ended up at a Pentecostal church and got married. <laughs> so Okay. Yeah, so that was what happened to that lady. But I, Who cleaned up the pew? I, I have stupid questions. It wasn't me. I was a little <laughs> guy. I, I just remember hearing that, and I was just like, oh, my word. Like, what is that? You know, you're not really experienced, like, experienced with that. You're, mm-hmm. not, you're not exposed to anything like that. Um, could, could you say that classified as like some kind of a possession or something like that? Because I remember what they were saying was it was like a demon of attention is what the men were saying at the time. And as a kid, I'm hearing that like, okay, you know, I don't know if that was necessarily the Trying case or what the deal was. the service? Yes. I don't know what the deal was, you hmm. know, uh, but that was, that was some pretty rough stuff. That was pretty rough stuff. Um, but that was, yeah, that was all from that uh, church. But anyway, <laughs> I'll hand the baton to you. So I'm convinced that my dad's church was um, not a church, but a circus. That's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a you can, couple. You can save their names if you, you can, if you want to use different names, you can. Okay. We'll call it Billy Bob and Jenny. Jenny. There you go. Okay. Billy Bob and Jenny. So Jenny was <laughs> very short, mm-hmm. very stout. Okay. Okay. A lot of mental issues, but we went on 
<laughs> my dad had the bright idea to take a canoeing trip with the circus. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah. Tell about this canoe trip. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we got to canoe country as a, a whole church. We had, um, the treasurer and her husband who was not saved at the time and her two teen boys. She was terrified that her six foot four sons were going to drown in three foot river. Mm-hmm. So, and they couldn't paddle a canoe, even though they were the size of full grown men and were hunters, mm-hmm. but she had them tethered to her canoe. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she was also quite large mm-hmm. And she couldn't see the boys. Mm-hmm. So she whips herself around. Mm-hmm. This was before we ever got really onto the river. Dumped that canoe. Her husband came up with a gashed hand. Said, oh, Tina, what'd you do that for? I'll blip the name. It was terrible. Like, it was hysterical. Then later on down the river, you know, mom and dad had canoed for a while. Like, they were just like, they knew what they were doing. We passed these people and said, have you seen the rest of our group? She's like, um, yeah, there's a couple back there going from bank to bank. Oh, no. He's in the Navy. He couldn't do a canoe. He could not do a canoe. No. So this same couple, lots of problems. We would come home on a Saturday Saturday night from um, shopping, getting ready for Sunday, and we'd see these shadowy figures running through our front yard. And because we lived on the the, um, Bible Holiness campground at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was like huge and you'd see them running from place. And sure enough, Billy Bob and Jenny were out there in the yard fighting. So they also, and they wait for you guys to get home to, to yeah. mediate it. So my dad could counsel them. So um, it was a very cold. Do you think this is cold and snowy? Mm-hmm. We had foot feet of snow on the ground and it was 20 below zero. Mm-hmm. We didn't cancel church because you came to church and learned about the love of Jesus, no matter how cold it mm-hmm. your took us got when you were <laughs> coming in. So during that entire thing, um, Jenny got up and she was going to testify. She had a very simple, she was really trying. I really do believe that. Like she was really trying mm-hmm. and she had a testimony and he would <laughs> sit, she would sit down and Billy Bob get in her ear. You're just a devil. You didn't mean anything like just going on like a little imp on her shoulder, like terrible. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, she asked my mom what to do. She's like, the next time he does it, just move, get up and move pews. So all through the church, she moves and he follows her talking the entire way until she ends up up on the piano, up by the piano. Mm -hmm. And my mom told him to sit down and don't move. Next thing you know, he's still going at it. She runs out of the church Without a coat on. Jenny does. Jenny does. Billy Bob follows her. Mm-hmm. Out there screaming and yelling right in front of the church. Next thing you know, she's cold cocked him and Billy Bob is in the snow on the front. Oh. So my mom goes running out. She's going to, um, Jenny's going to walk home. She's mom's like, no, it's 20 below zero. You'll freeze. Like you have to come in and stop it. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, shouting and she said, be quiet. We're in front of the church. Stop it. And, um, I forget. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Mom ran back in to get a coat, grabbed a, the first person's coat that she And put that on. got them in trouble. That got them in tr- trouble. Because her wife I, thought that they were cheating <laughs> on. So my mom's perfume was yeah. in his. So she called, like, that was a whole separate thing. But it ended up where my mom actually took him by the ear and took him in and sat him down mm-hmm. and said, don't move and put her in a different pew. That is how, like, childish and dysfunctional yeah. that was. Um, so, yeah, that was... That what they were something else. See, that's the thing. People think that being a pastor's kid, you know, and or a pastor's family, it's just all oh, you just get up and preach or do whatever. Oh no, you people manage. You people manage, and that's a good term for it because those people would call that same couple would mm-hmm. call their little boy at five years old would call, Brother Miles, can you come? Mommy's on top of the car in her nightgown and won't come. And it's after midnight, and there's there's Jenny up on top of the car in her nightgown for all the neighbors to see. Um and won't come down, so Dad would have to get out of bed, oh. drive 35 minutes all the way to Pendleton to get her out off the top of the car. I agree. Because they'd gotten into a fight. So, yeah, that was that was something else entirely. You end up with just some very uh, 
interesting people. And I think that sometimes you end up in a position like that because I don't know, God puts you there because maybe they're the only one that would be able to deal with those people. Let me tell you something. Sometimes people think it's all about being the pastor of a big church, but I, I'm going to tell you this in a big church, you tend to have more people to help you manage things. (laughs) It takes really special people to sometimes manage a smaller church. Because they are the counselor, they are the pastor, they are the organizer, mm-hmm. they are the administrator, they're everything. And it takes special people mm-hmm. to be able to do those jobs. And um, yeah, you, 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 you'd have, there were such just strange characters. We had a service one time, but I don't think I told you this one. I have one that I haven't told you either. Okay. <laughs> we had a service one time, and this gentleman walked into the back of the church. And... He walks down to the front of the platform and stands there next to the podium looking at the pastor. And it's like, what is this guy going to do? And he looked rough. And he turns around and he starts talking out loud and talking to the pastor and stuff like that. And then he turns around and starts telling all about how he was a Vietnam helicopter pilot. And bodies and body bags and all kinds of stuff. It was really sad. It's like PTSD. Yeah. And he was drunk. Oh, um, no. He was drunk. And he started going on and on and on. And they were trying to pray, talk to him if he wanted prayer or whatever. And somebody was, I think somebody called Huntington Police because they were going to have to come get him because he, he not to like, her, right, because but... he needed help. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll never forget. He was going on and on and on, and uh, he's getting real loud, and he's talking and stuff like that. And he, and he turned around and looked at everybody, and there was some elderly women who were sitting in the back pew, and they were all they were their nerves were shot because <laughs> of what was happening. They couldn't hardly take it. They were watching this unfold, and their their whole world was just falling down around them. And all of a sudden, he looks at everybody, and he just he, he kind of teeters back and forth, and he goes. And I got to tell you, he said, and I've got the fire of God. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I heard them women go, whoo, and they just kind of screamed. And they like it, it was the most horrible blasphemy they'd ever seen in their lives. And I just, I just died. I, can, I was just like, what in the world? But when he said, I've got the fire of God. And as soon as he said that, oh, my word, it was pandemonium. <laughs> and uh, just like, you sacrilegious, whatever. But anyway, uh, yeah, they had to get help for him. He had a, he had a problem. This is a side, just a side note. They actually had a guy at the Cabell hospital one time who, um, he had a flashback and he took off and got onto the health net helicopter and he was getting ready to power up because he felt he had another mission to go on. Oh no. Yeah. The police came and they had to talk him out of it. Those flashbacks are that happened multiple very times. real. That happened multiple times. People would see the helicopter and I don't know if, I think it was just a They'd see the helicopter and they'd snap mm-hmm. and they got, I got to go on another mission, you know, and this poor guy that came to the church, he, let me tell you something is it is a sacrifice and a privilege all in one to serve your country. And death is not giving all. No, no. There are people who slowly die the rest of their days after serving. And that poor man, his mind was his mind was suffering because of everything he saw. Mm-hmm. And I, anyway, looking back on that, I remember that at the time, and I just I cracked up because of the women's res- response to him. <laughs> they just couldn't they couldn't handle that. Um, well, Dad tells about a drunk that used to live in his town when he growing up, where he quote the Bible. Mm-hmm. And as drunk, he would quote it. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, people have an upbringing and stuff, and they may turn away from it the older they get. Who knows? But um. Yeah, we had that going on, but um, there was another one you said you were going to tell me that you hadn't mentioned. Yes. What was that? Dad may kill me later. It's okay. It's worth it. Okay. I mean, okay. I can still edit things out if I have to. You don't have okay. to because he tells it. Okay. So the lady who called my dad after that whole incident with Billy Bob and Jenny because mm-hmm. <laughs> mom had grabbed her husband's. She's the same one that tipped the canoe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... We were at a funeral and she was very, she was a very large lady. Okay. She wore clothes, like floral clothes, similar to my mom. Cause those, those dresses with really tight, tiny, bright flowers were, <laughs> was really in mm-hmm. mom had several and this lady had several and we were at a funeral home and right where mom had been sitting, this lady comes in and sits down and they have similar clothes on. 
So my dad comes up, unbeknownst that this is not my mom. No. And grabs her shoulders. No. Except they're much larger than my mom's shoulders. No. So he pulls his hands back like no. this. No. She jumps up and goes stand by her husband. Dad goes and stands by mom. No. <laughs> they laughed about it after that, but it was sure a shock. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, that's horrible. Oh, that would be horrible. Uh, who? What was the story that the couple were up there singing, and the one guy would always take his finger and he would uh, trace his wife's back to let her know to repeat what a to song next? or what yeah. the next song was? And he went up there, and the other guy's wife was playing the piano, and he forgot and he was running his finger over <laughs> her back and everything, <laughs> and she wasn't getting the hint. Like, she didn't understand that language. It was a really known well. Who was that? I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, I would just. I, I'll, I'll, I'll save their face. I'll leave them out of that. That that did, that did happen. Yeah, that did happen. Um, I think that was at Pilgrim Camp, actually. We uh, Bible Missionary Church we attended. Um, the pastor and his wife had told us. They said, um, "You know, as kids, it was a real small church. Like we were the only youth. Me and my brother and my sister were it, and um, we." We're told that if you memorize such and such scriptures, there's a fabulous prize. <laughs> yeah, some, let me tell you what you learn. You learn that some people's vision is much smaller than others. <laughs> fabulous is in the eyes of the yeah. <laughs> So we memorized chapters of scripture. As kids, we were memorizing a ton of scripture. We, so mom raised us learning scripture. I remember I bought a Silver Surfer um, action figure. I could not have that until I memorized the entirety of Luke chapter 2 for the Christmas story. And so I remember I tried to pull the, pull the wool over her eyes, and I started quoting it to her. And I said, fine, I'll tell you, but you have to be in the other room. Okay. So I started reading it. And what she didn't realize is I had a Bible open in the you box. I was reading, reading it. it. Next thing you know, she peeks her head around the corner, busted. But <laughs> anyway, um, I say all that to say that we were at this church, and we really had to memorize Scripture, a lot of it. And it was like a ton of stuff. We slugged it out and made it through that, all three of us. And we memorized all kinds of scripture. And so the pastor was like, all right, you ready for your prize? I was like, yeah, all right, let's go. We load up in our cars and we drive to the, uh, to the, to the bridge that went over the Ohio River. And we walked across the bridge, looking down at the river, came back to our cars, drove to the parking lot of the church, sat there, passed out cans of pop and peanuts. And that was our prize. <laughs> you know, I just, looking back on that, you know, you have to have a vision for trying to, trying to grow things. That doesn't impress kids. It doesn't. And it doesn't no. encourage kids to do things for you. And as pastor's kids, we were in it for the long haul. You don't have to worry about losing us. But if it's another kid off the street or whatever, I could see how that would definitely pop up. Well, that up church over there does all that this is, other stuff. Ex exactly. And that leads me into my next story. Several years later, I'm an adult, and I'm driving a church van. Okay. And uh, I'm the bulk of my stories, you know, I don't want to give from an adult perspective, they're mainly, you know, a lot of them are from when I was a kid, but um, I, I am lacing a couple in here when I was an adult. Um, kids are sometimes inconsiderate. They, they are. <laughs> well, they don't know. Like they, they don't think. You have, because at that time, your brain is not matured enough to say, oh, I need to do this no. if I'm going to do this. I was driving the van, got a phone call from, and let me tell you, kids can be so extremely fickle about church attendance, like really fickle. Oh, yeah. And, um, VBS hopping is a thing. Yeah. Well, there was a girl one time, this is a side note. I, I, of course was a, um, I was, um, an associate pastor and, uh, this one girl was not attending church. Like she, she would come and go, but only when the, there was an event, if there was an event or there was an outing with the youth or something like that, that's the only time she'd come, she'd go to another church that was having an event or an outing. And that's what would happen is she was, whichever one had the biggest event that week, that's where she'd go. And one time I actually talked to her and I said, hey, I said, you know, um, you should think about, and I didn't word it bad at all. I did not. 
Um, I told her, I said, um, you need to kind of decide where you want to go. I said, because being kind of fickle like that and going from back, back and forth, I said, you're not able to let yourself um, get a foundation underneath you and to really establish yourself in a church. I said, um, if you like our church, you like that church. I said, you, you, you know, pick the one that you like. And I said, really make a go of it and go uh, because you're not really doing yourself any favor kind of going here and there all over the place. Next thing I get, a, I get a, a, a message on Facebook from um, the stepmom tore into me. You made her cry and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I didn't say anything. You're a spawn of Satan and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it was terrible. That escalated. Oh, it was bad. And I said, look, I said, I am so sorry. I said, if I said something that was um, you know, bad like that. I said, I, it was not my intention. I am so sorry. I said, I want what's best for her. And I, I, all I told her, I said, you can go back and read what I wrote her and talk to her about, I said, is for her to, to decide what church is best for her. And I said, for her to go full into it and to go there, but going back and forth to whichever one as the lights on that weekend, like for something wonderful, you know, you're not going to get established by just, right doing a ring around the rosy and going to all these different places anyway. But it, it was just, you know, she, uh, I say that because the next situation that I went to was once again, a situation where there were kids who would only go where, Oh, you're having VBS this week. So we'll be there. And then you'll never see him again for several months because they're over at the other place that mm-hmm. literally has a boxing ring in the church. <laughs> and they were having some kind of a thing or whatever. Literally did that. They had a big wrestling event at the church and craziness. And how, how do you compete with that? You can't. As a small hole in his church, how do you compete with that? You can't. You can't. Anyway, um, so I got a um, phone call. Hey, we're gonna we, we want to come to your church this week. I was like, okay, sure, I'll pick them up. So me and the the this girl, we get in the van. It was a girl I was dating at the time, and uh, we we load up. And we go to pick up these kids, and so I pull up in front of their house, and here they come, and they they they're coming really really fast. <laughs> and, and I did, and I and I look down at the end of the street, and I see a church van pulling in and coming our way. I don't think anything of it. And the door opens up, and they jump in, and the one kid's like, all right, let's drive, drive, drive. we got to go. we got to go now. And I'm like, what is wrong? And then it dawned on me. He said, that's the other church. They're trying to come pick us up. And I'm like, what? And these kids were supposed to be going to that church, and those poor people came to pick them up only to see us pick their pocket. And those kids jump into the van with us. And he's like, drive, drive, drive. And so I'm like, what? And so I throw it in gear, and I'm like, what am I trying to get away from? And then I look, and I see that other church van pulling right up in front of their house. And to this day, I remember the driver's expression, and it looked like, how could you? You didn't know. I, I didn't know. And what's so bad is your name is plastered on the side of your van. So you they, can't hide. They knew who took their kids. Oh, they knew who took their kids. And I was just like, oh, I was like, I, I was like, why did you guys do that? Like you, you can't do that. You've got to have some <laughs> responsibility and say, please don't pick us up tonight. We're going someplace else. Rather than two people show up at the same time, and it's like, what are we going to do? Flip a coin for you kids? Like the kids don't think of that. It's not in no. their. It's not in their scope of what to know in social etiquette yet. No, no. <laughs> I, I had kids that got into a fight one time, or they got into an argument on there because you know, kids are kids are kids, and they argued about. Um, Oh yeah, uh, my girlfriend is uh, my girlfriend is so and so. Oh yeah, well my girlfriend is so and so. Oh, let me see a picture of her. Yeah, let me see. Oh man, she ugly. What? And then they- <laughs> <laughs> oh, she ugly. Yeah, I'll never forget that. He said, "Oh man, she ugly," and it just it just went it went haywire. <laughs> oh, good grief! I just I you know when it comes to. If you showed a picture of me and somebody said, Ooh, she ugly. What Ooh, would you she do? ugly. It's like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just, that was crazy. It, as a van driver, I'll tell you, you get some crazy. I have one time, one time where a grandma and a granddaughter got into it on the van and it was bad. And grandma was telling her off and the granddaughter turned and I looked at her and said, Oh yeah, would you shut up grandma? And I was just like, <laughs> Oh, if I told my grandma that. I'd be picking up my teeth. I'm I'm surprised that kid didn't go flying through the van and hit the glass. I'm I'm really surprised about that. Uh, man, oh man! One time I had the brakes go out in the van, 
and that was really bad. I pulled up to a stoplight or a stop sign and I pushed my pedal, my brake pedal and all of a sudden it went straight to the floor. And I was like, that's not good. <laughs> and I put, I put it in park and looked, and there was a big puddle of fluid underneath. I was like, oh, oh no. come on. So the pastor at the time who came here and you met him, mm-hmm. uh, he got into it real quick, real quick. And he just kind of drove real fast <laughs> with, what, with what we had left. And he made it several streets over and parked it, but it blew the line out. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else with regards to that. Just good grief. Driving a church van. That will just... That. Our church van kids got um, oat milk cream pies. Oh, man, y'all fancy. We didn't do and that. And juice. We didn't do that. Um, because a lot of our kids didn't... We fed them breakfast because we were picking them up. A lot of them didn't have breakfast. And if you have hungry kids, you have bad kids mm-hmm. in church. So That's true. Dad yeah, would that's feed true. them. Dad would feed them oat milk cream pies. So, I don't know if they wanted oat milk cream pies, but oat milk cream pies was his Achilles heel. So... Oh, milk cream pies is what they got because we ate with them. I think what they would do uh, with a lot of the kids, because w- w- the church that we attended, um, now this is the, this is you, I feel in there now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, that church is, it's kind of an inner, inner city church. It really is because mm-hmm. the area is not good and it's gotten worse over the years. Um, and a lot of those kids would come in and I remember we used to have breakfast in the morning and there was a guy who was a, a who was a chef who went there and he would make like fantastic breakfast and even the normal folk came. <laughs> they all got up out of bed early because the guy cooked great. And uh, he would make food because sometimes that was the only meal those kids had all day. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was We started just... doing that the same with VBS. Yeah. Where there would be um, different... Almost like a finger food meal type thing. We did that on Sunday nights too. Uh, on one yeah, point. so that yeah. that those kids actually had something because if your stomach is growling, yeah, I get hangry. You know this. Yeah, adults happens. and adults kind of control their yeah. emotions a lot better than kids can. I had a bunch of kids I had to pick up on the van one time, and uh, their names I can't even remember their names really. All I, I referred to them at the time because one of them. And I'm, I'm not going to get in trouble for that or anything, but the name, one of them I think was named Shelby and they're so far removed. They'll never hear this podcast, <laughs> but there was Shelby and I couldn't remember the other ones. So I called the other one GT and the other one Mustang because <laughs> I couldn't remember their names. It was so awful. And there was like four of them. So I couldn't remember the fourth one. I just remember the three and, uh, we, I loaded them all up and they, they had all come and, and they came from a dysfunctional messed up family and they were just, they weren't, and things were not well. And, um, it, it was, it was a bad situation. Um, they uh, came to church and they would inevitably, um, end up drinking like Kool-Aid that the kids were all drinking there. And the normal kids that were at the church that were coming in would drink the Kool-Aid and they were fine. These kids drank Kool-Aid and it turbocharged them to where they were wild. You realize we're talking about the CHM and drinking Kool-Aid. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So these kids would drink Kool-Aid and it would set them up to where they were so crazy acting that um, they, we had a little bit of a meeting about it and discussed it. They said, look, they said, we're just going to have to just say no to Kool-Aid. Like, just, we're not going to do Kool-Aid. Everybody's, you know, drink water, whatever. Um, no, I take it back. The lady who was doing the kids at the time, she kind of made the executive decision to do what, her, what she was going to do. And it was basically, these kids are not going to have Kool-Aid. <laughs> okay, so I'm up in service and I, I preached this. I preached Wednesday evening service or whatever it was. Or I was doing teen, youth downstairs. I was doing something. All of a sudden, somebody comes running over. Mr. Nick, Mr. Nick, we really need you over in the fellowship hall now. you got to get over there now. And I was like, okay, 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 I'm coming. And I open up the door, and it's pandemonium. I've got one kid in the fetal position screaming under a table. Another one is crying in their chair. It looks like they've just all given up hope. And the smallest one runs over to me, and he goes, <gasps> and it just all starts pouring out. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? And the lady, bless her heart, she thought it would be prudent to give Kool-Aid to everybody as they were coming through. And then when it came to these kids, no, I'm sorry, you can't have Kool-Aid. Oh, wrong thing to do. Mm. You can't do it. It's like it's like our two dogs. If you give something to the one and not the other, that is not passing. This uh, uh, that's bad. And these kids lost their minds. And so I think I talked as to them. As kids, you would. You're, it's unfair. It truly is unfair. It is truly unfair. Yeah, and they see it. And you and, get water. Yeah, yeah. See, that's not <laughs> right. And so I told, uh, I told, I said, look, then what we're going to do is it's, it's either the, everybody gets Kool-Aid or nobody gets Kool-Aid. And I forget what I did, but I think I dug us out of that situation that evening. But man, that was, that was sketch. Uh, they, so they were kids mad. kids most likely had ADHD really badly because the sugar ramped them up. It was bad. Yeah, it was really, really bad. They, they came from a absolute horrendous home life. Um, and you would do what you could with them. I sat down with a kid one time who was talking to us, and she was as hard and as rough could be. And she started um, 
I don't know why, but she suddenly started to talk to us. This was a tough kid. Used to walk the neighborhood with a taser. Um, Yikes. Yeah, Cause that's where we live. That's where the church mm-hmm. was located. It was rough. I mean, you do have that one home behind the church that has cameras upon cameras. Oh yeah. Upon cameras. Yeah. Cause he's, he knows, he knows what's going on. <laughs> and he does. He can watch the whole city from his. Oh Yeah. Living room. This girl sat down with us and she was talking to us and she started emptying her whole soul about her history and her family's history and how broken it was. And and she started telling us this and that. And then she's like, and then my mother had a baby and it died and she buried it in the backyard there in Georgia. And, blah, and we're like, say what? what? Say what? Yeah, we're like, say what? And she just started emptying all this stuff out. And it was just like, like she had this massive weight on her chest and this was a really tough kid. She just she wouldn't she wouldn't laugh. She was as rough as could be, and she broke that one day. And all the stuff. Oh my goodness, that was a mess. Um, anyway, this is supposed to be funny stories. Yeah, but funny some stories. Okay, so let me tell you about. Um, and I can use names because everyone has passed. Hazel, Wanda, and Pearl. Okay. Okay, they're three sisters. Mm-hmm. Wanda was married. Um, I'm not sure. I think Pearl and Hazel had been married and were either divorced or their husbands had passed. I can't remember the situation of their husbands, but they were elderly, lived by themselves. Pearl was very, very, Hazel was very, 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 very hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. Pearl would bring on her walker bags hanging from her walker that had spare underwear in them and, and donuts that were all crushed up. And she would give Jared and I the donuts because, and they were good. We didn't know they were stale. <laughs> that probably came from strange uh, places. And who knows what was in that bag? <laughs> Cause it was in a bread bag, mm-hmm. a bread bag full of donuts. And that's what she gave us. That's all you have. That's all she had. That's mm-hmm. what she gave us. She wanted to give us something. So mom would sit second pew organ side mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Then she would, then behind her was a pew, and then Hazel sat. And then there was a pew separating them, and Wanda would sit. Mm -hmm. And then a pew separating them, and Pearl would sit. So all these ladies in a line. Dad would get really close to the microphone and shout the scripture. Yeah, because you can't hear. Because she can't hear. So Hazel would open her Bible, and she would read along. And then he would come back from the mic, because he's not going to preach the entire time that loud. And she would just continue to read her Bible. Happened every Sunday morning. Mom turns around. You know, she's there. She's reading her Bible. Next thing you know, Pearl from back. Mm -hmm. Five seats. Hazel. Wake up, Hazel. Hazel, wake up. Wanda's going, shh, shh. (laughs) Hazel's asleep. Next thing you know, there's a scarf whipping. So she's trying to hit her with a scarf. Trying to hit her with a scarf. Mom's turning around because, you know, when you sit that far, you're sitting like almost sideways. Yeah, kind of at an angle. You, yeah. yeah. So out of the corner of her eyes, you see, Hazel, wake up. Hazel, 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 wake up. Wanda's going, shh, shh. Wanda was the more sane of the three. Mm-hmm. Less eccentric. Although I've got a couple things about Wanda. Um, but... <laughs> Next thing you know, there's a songbook sailing through the air. So it escalated. Smacks Hazel right in the back of the head. She's like all the old lady turning around. What'd you do that for? You were sleeping. I was not. I was reading my Bible. You were sleeping. In between is Wanda going, ladies, girls, stop. Shh. Dad stopped preaching and was just howling from just watching it <laughs> unfold. And I think he ended up dismissing because you can't, what do you do? You cannot. It's con- off the rails. It's done. It's yeah, done, it's at, done that at that point. point. So they're bickering back and forth. And mom's like, she legit was reading her Bible and not sleeping. Like, oh, so your mom can vouch like, for her. <laughs> yes. Oh, poor lady. Yes. And Wanda's son who sat at the very back, mm-hmm. um, just burying his head. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't, I don't want to be people. here. Wanda. She found a little lump in her breast at one point. Oh, no. And she got up and testified. Mm-hmm. So, Brother Miles, you got to pray for me. They found, I found a lump in my breast. And she said, you know what breast is like a, a wing to a woman. It's important to a woman. And she went on and on about how important her breast was to her, to her oh, being a woman. Word. Right there in church. Like, it just... They're a little socially awkward. And then she had rotator cuff surgery. Oh. And she was doing very well. 
She said, look, I can reach my arm all the way up. Oh, she completely turned over. Yeah, 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 yeah. She turned Her arm didn't move. No, (laughs) she moved it. Look, my arm, my hand's above my head. (laughs) So yes, that was part, that was part of the circus. We had a, it was at the Bible Missionary Church we went to, and there was this girl that we picked up one time who uh, went to one of the schools that we did, uh, public schools. And uh, we took her to church. And she had been to church before, and we didn't really know what kind of church. And so um, we were sitting there, and this is Bible Missionary, so they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty strict and pretty structured about stuff. And um, they were praying. And, and, oh, no, 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 no. It was the song service, maybe. And this girl, all of a sudden, gets down and lays down. And I look up, and this girl is laying partially out into the aisle, and she's rolling. And Mom's like, get up out of the floor. What are you doing? She's like, well, that's what they do at Mom's church. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so evidently, went to a bit of a charismatic church. She's like, well, I might as well just go right at home. I get down and start rolling around, boys. <laughs> The things that happen, and the things that happen, we've had a parishioner come over to, this was a a one-in-a-lifetime party. Um, The church was small enough that we could invite everyone after church for dinner. Yeah. Or for, you know, snacks and whatever. (laughs) So it happened frequently. This one occasion, there's this lady sitting on (coughs) the couch and sticks her hand down, tucks it down, and comes Mm -hmm. up with something. Next thing my mom knows, she's moved everyone off the couch, has the cushions pulled out, and is picking and, and cleaning out. Mom, my mom was humiliated. Oh, yeah, because it looks like you're filthy. Yeah. And this person's digging through your, 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 couch. Cu- your couch cushions and everything. Like, wow, what am I going to find what here? What am I going to find here? Oh, my this word. Was, I, I think it was a different time when one of the parishioners um, came out and said, Sister Miles, you have, um, you're out of toilet paper in the bathroom. So she calls my brother oh, and said, can you put some toilet paper in there? This particular woman, my brother did not like. Mm-hmm. We little guy, probably six or seven, mm-hmm. found out she was coming over, sings, no dogs allowed. Oh. So then mom has to, you know, tell, you can't say things like that about people. Anyway, she was terrible. She really was terrible. So he comes out. He puts toilet paper in the bathroom. He comes out with a roll and said, did you get enough? Later, that same time, he said, hey, guys, this lady was standing over the corn cobs eating the corn. So so, so the debris from her mouth as she's eating is falling back into the corn. Or she was sitting near it, but she was just like continually, continuously eating it. My brother comes in and says, guys, if you want any more watermelon, you better come in here and get it. She just cleaned up the corner starting on the watermelon. <laughs> Brutally honest. Yeah, Brutally but I mean, honest. he's being truthful. It's Very like, truthful. It's about ready to rain on the watermelon. Yep. <laughs> oh, good grief. We could probably go on for on and on and on about just things. stuff. There's, we need to probably do another one at some point. I'm not sure what people are going to think about this one, but... <laughs> Well, it's been about a, we've gone about an hour just okay. kind of chit-chatting, but that's a good place maybe to stop and we could get something a little more organized next time and things to, <laughs> you to can talk think about. think of a little more Some other things, maybe some more serious things or whatever, just kind of talk about. But anyway, uh, just sharing some of our memories and things as kids and what we saw and, and funny things and some serious things, you mm-hmm. know, but as a pastor's kid, you definitely are exposed to a wide range of people mm-hmm. um, and experiences. Colorful people. Very, very. There's some very eccentric, special people in God's kingdom. <laughs> they, they are. Anyway, uh, you got anything else you want to add? Or? I think I'm good. All right. I guess we'll we'll end this for uh, for now. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll pick up more stories later. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll see what we get into next time. So, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode. And we will chat at you all later. See you.